0: Shout out to our radio affiliates joining us, Sirius XM 204, the mightier 1090, Los Angeles, SoCal in the house, Tony Finn in the house with us as well as we're just marveling over um, Josh Allen's crazy season and crazy numbers that he has put up. Josh Allen, becomes the first player with at least 10 touchdown passes and two rushing touchdowns in his uh, team's first three games, Uh, In NFL history, became the fourth quarterback with at least 1,000 passing yards, 10 passing touchdowns, and a rating of 120 or higher through his team's uh, first three games of the season in NFL history. Became the fourth quarterback with at least 700 passing yards, six touchdown passes, and zero interceptions through his team's first two games of the season, joining Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and Peyton Manning. Uh, Tony, all this to say, Josh Allen's having a hell of a year, and I think he has a hell of a day tomorrow. Or I yeah, should say today.
1: <laughs> it would surprise, it shouldn't surprise anyone. It probably won't surprise you, Gabe, that if you ask me today who I think is the best dual quarterback in the NFL, it's not Lamar Jackson, it's Josh Allen. is a guy who's has got the size of a linebacker, not quite Darno, but the size of a linebacker, uh, the arm of uh, uh, one of my old-time favorite quarterbacks, uh, and... No one will know if I mention his name, but he can throw the ball almost. He said he can throw the ball 70 yards. and Then, of course, uh, when, when uh, Patrick Mahomes heard that, said he jokingly said, I can throw it 72. And uh, if, there was a, if there's a quarterback in this league outside of Mahomes, and I, I'll tell you right now, I like Mahomes, especially with his experience and what he has on his resume. If I'm going to choose somebody to start a franchise with, it's certainly is Josh Allen and certainly not nothing against Lamar Jackson and his friends and his fans but it would be Josh Allen very impressive when you see him get up behind the ball up behind that center the last second of the second half of the season and how he looked like he was a 10-year veteran not not a third-year player amazing amazing season and uh, he's always in my opinion one of the funnest quarterbacks Mahomes and him are the one of the funnest quarterbacks in the yep. league to watch, no matter what the situation is, who they're playing, snow, rain, sleet, uh, whatever the case may be, uh, kudos to Buffalo. Kudos to Buffalo, and I think that uh, this matchup sets up perfectly for Josh Allen to be extremely successful, especially against, and let's say it again, a 100-year-old quarterback in Phillip Rivers uh, that is not, listen, he didn't, he's not, this isn't kind of weather he's played in, albeit there's no snow, no moisture, no precipitation, it's going to be cold. And my bones don't react quite as quickly when it's the uh, cold the better. Outside. I don't know about yours.
0: The cold the better. More with Tony Finn on the other side. Late night anger, fans, class continues. Bring it. Seriously. We do this
2: 24 hours a day. Every day. It's real. And it's here. We've got to come up with a better name for it than fantasy sports. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. 24 hours in every day, 1,440 minutes, 86,400 seconds, and we still have trouble squeezing all this glorious sports talk in.
4: Have you thought about maybe sleeping less?
2: This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Oh yeah, it's all set.
1: They got the bug boy on. Them.
2: The bug boy,
1: yeah. The little fella's been riding his heart out. They're gonna break his maiden. <laughs> really? Yeah, but it's a little slow out there. It rained last night. Oh, this baby loves the slop. Loves it. Eats it up. Eats the slop. Born the slop. His father was a mother. His
2: father was a mutter.
1: His mother was a mutter.
2: His mother was a mutter.
1: <laughs> what did I just say?
0: Late night, anger management class. I am Marenzi. We're throwing it down. Uh, We talked about the Toronto Raptors a lot on game time decisions uh, tonight. Expected the Raptors to step up even without Kyle Lowry, and the Raptors roll this evening. They were down big, but they come back 144-123. We end up going three and one tonight with the four picks. We hit Cleveland State money line. We hit Cleveland State. We hit the Toronto Raptors. We hit with Fred Van Fleet over his point total. But Siakam fell short. Siakam gets the 17, was 20 and a half. Tony Finn kicking with us right now. Wager Talk TV in the house. So I like where you go with this, Tony. I've had some negative people saying, oh, I'm not sure about the Bills. Jonathan Taylor might be able to run the ball and all this. And listen, I don't think the Colts are going to get shut out. But I keep coming back to the same score, man. I think the Buffalo Bills win this game. Um, I think they win 30, I'm going to say 38-20. 38-24. 34 24, 37 24 in that
1: range, Tony. Yeah, uh, I guess if you don't, if you like Sean McDermott, I, I like McDermott. And I think he's a good coach. I think he's a, almost a perfect fit for Buffalo, and he's a perfect fit for Josh Allen and this offense. But if the, if the Colts are going to win this game, they have not. Listen, their defense was really good. First eight games, very good. Gabe, uh, the schedule wasn't very difficult, and they performed to that, to that level. The second half of the season, they, they had some holes. Now, granted, to their defense, they had some injuries. But, but if, if you don't think the learned something from Andy Reid and what you saw early in the season when the linebackers were damaged for Buffalo, they, they, were, they really cheated against Kansas City. Basically, they were back in a four-cover, cover four, and they said, we dare you to run the football Andy Reid ran the football. Um, if Indy's going to win this game, I think we know that Jonathan Taylor's going to be handed the ball as many times as possible. And I fully expect Leslie Frazier uh, to, to learn from the Kansas City game and to be ready for this. I, I just don't see how in the world, unless the Colts own time of possession, they keep battling off the field, in this, and this, this hopefully this offense is going to have digs, healthy, at least a 75% digs for this game, where I'll be very disappointed be if, if, if Allen doesn't have his receivers, that, that that this game doesn't get out of hand and get out of hand early. If you're going to depend on Philip Rivers to throw the ball 20 yards downfield, then you're not you're not getting any part of my money to bet on that.
0: Yeah, Stephon Diggs is just unbelievable. He caught at least six passes in 15 to 16 games this year. Do right. you believe that? Um, yes. Like, Wow. And, you know, listen, yeah. the Indianapolis Colts are known. <laughs> excuse me. The Indianapolis Colts are known for having, oh, the Colts defense, this and that. But you know what, Tony? The strength of the Colts defense is their their, gra- their rushing defense. The Colts That's are right. hard to run on. Like, the, the Colts are a good rushing defense. Well, guess what? Only four teams in the NFL rush the ball less than the Buffalo Bills do. <laughs> so, right. like, you're not... You know what I mean like it's not like the bills are scared like the bills are like all right fine. All right. We won't run the ball much. We'll just throw it. We got Stefan Diggs. Um, we got Cole Beasley. We've got John Brown. And now they've got John Brown back. What a difference that makes too. He's dangerous. And for you touchdown prop players. I take I take a look at John Brown guys. I think Zach Moss scores a touchdown tomorrow and I think Brown does as well. Um, you know Diggs is a monster. But they're really going to focus in on Diggs and Diggs might get like eight catches and they keep him out of the end zone. But I think Moss can crush one in here. But I'm laying the points, uh, Tony, and I think the game does go over the number.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on this. I really like Buffalo. Um, I would and I know I'm jumping way ahead, but and a lot of people would would, could speak to a number of different matchups. but. I'm glad Buffalo won last week. I'm glad they're on the opposite side of the bracket from Mahomes because I personally would really like to see a Mahomes and Allen uh, AFC Championship game. I know a lot of people are screaming and yelling and telling me that, you know what, but uh, that's what I'd like to see.
0: Yeah, me too, and I want to see my Bills take your Chiefs down. Uh no, that's you yeah. sorry, even though you've been very <laughs> you've been you've been very complimentary though. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't right. fed. That's all
1: right. You know who my favorite team is? You know who my favorite team is. Uh, uh,
0: yeah, whoever you have money on. <laughs> that's
1: correct. Absolutely right.
0: <laughs> that's, that's Tony Finn's favorite team. So listen, man, this Ohio State-Alabama game, it's becoming a tough handicap, isn't it? Due to, you know, Ohio State are fine, they're not fine, they're good, they're not good. I don't know, like, I sort of try to just tune this stuff out. You know like right now and you know, they'll talk to me about all right. is a playing. Okay. Yeah, you know fields Everyone's worried about fields fields and once again, we about dr. Chow Chow said he's fine like he's he's in discomfort But they're gonna shoot him up again, and he'll be good to go and he and fields even said it right he goes I don't yeah. know they said are you okay he goes I don't know they they injected me twice and I was good so basically It'll be the same type of thing. Like, some guys don't like getting shot up with things, but Fields doesn't, you know, he's not saying no, he's a kid. So they're just going to dope this kid up, man. He won't feel a thing out there. And but- we saw he was pretty damn effective. I think they can move the ball. Like, I am I really want to take Ohio State here, but they have to have a full, like, at least, I can't have a missing 25 people, Tony. You know what I'm saying? Of course not.
1: Uh, every Everybody I talk to, gave, I mean, to a man, Likes what they saw in Ohio State last week, and I, I think it's hard not to like what you saw and what they, what they did to a, a very good coach, a very good college football coach, one of the best, and a, and a good quarterback. I think a great. I think uh, a guy who's going to have a terrific career stays healthy in the NFL in in Lawrence. But um, I, I'm 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 a little afraid. I don't know about you, but if I'm the coach on the upside side of Saban, and I'm facing, which I know has got five, six NFL defensive players on the on the stop side of the football, and an offense that's averaging just a couple tenths of a point short of 50 points a game. Um, that's pretty daunting. That's a daunting task. I don't care who you are, and uh, I'm not. I, I haven't really made a decision on this game. I have in the back of my mind made a decision, but it's very difficult for me to to. It's difficult for me to go against a. Uh, and Ajay Harris and I a uh, Mac. You know, I mean, this is just really difficult for me. And, and the fact is, I thought this number is very attractive. Personally, had had Ohio State not dominated Clemson like they did, this we would be looking at a number that if they just won this by a, a, a turnover or a, a point, or it would have been 10, Alabama minus 10. If you're an Alabama fan, you have to like the number you get in this game. You really do.
0: Tony fan wager talk. So uh, what's the big plan this weekend, Tony? So you got the games national championship games. You guys cranking out the videos over at wager talk. Yes. and you know, I think this, this total Tony, you know, on mm-hmm. this championship game, there's so much talent, man. There's so much to, I, you know, there's multiple guys in this game that can score multiple touchdowns. I get the feeling, yep. you know, I really do yet. Anytime time a game just you know it's a championship game most of these big time title games don't turn into track meets but i think this one does tony
1: yes i um i dido right back at you i mean it, we've seen it all year we've seen average we've seen actually and it's hard to it's hard to call an sec team an average team no, no matter who they are vanderbilt or texas am or alabama but Saban seems to be very satisfied allowing stuff underneath more so than ever before as far as as far as passing opposing quarterbacks throwing passes and he has complete faith in Mac Jones so how do you not how do you not like this i like personally I personally think that Ohio State's not going to dominate possession. I actually like the team total on a couple games. This weekend, I'm not a big team totals player. I don't know about you, Gig, but I like Alabama team total. I like Buffalo team total. I like Tampa Bay's team total this weekend. Those things where I don't have to worry about so much what the other offense is going to do. I don't play a lot of those, but this is the weekend that I might end up playing quite a few team totals, and one of them would be Alabama. Cody
0: totally Fed. Wager Talk, follow him on uh, Twitter. He's easy to find, Tony Finn. You're the man, Tony. Thanks for your time, bro.
2: Happy New Year. You can listen to Sports Grid on the radio, TV, satellite, or the internet. To make it any easier, we'd have to move in with you. And nobody wants that. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network.
3: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
2: so many sports so many memories so many players so many teams so many great matchups so many possibilities now are you really gonna pass all that up this is the sports grid radio network don't ruin your appetites i'm buying lunch for everybody on me what's the occasion i'm rich I won my bets on the Rose Bowl, the Sugar
0: Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, and I chunked it all on a hockey game, and I won that. Hey, like, all right, all right. How much did you win? 116 bucks. What a windfall. Yeah. Yeah, really? I still feel tingly. Gold <laughs> Eli Gold will join us in a couple of minutes. Uh, we'll get uh, into the Alabama Ohio State game with a man uh, that yeah, I saw that um, I just saw that Eli Gold is called more than a third of Alabama's games in their football history. Imagine that. Uh, imagine that. Real legend. So um, great job, uh, Matias Hook, getting uh, Eli Gold to join us in the late night hours. He'll join us a little bit uh, later on. Um, Tommy Lasorda, real legend. And you know, listen. I've, you know, I've always been a Dodger fan, and I moved to Hollywood. I was in a metal band, and I was I was playing in metal in the metal scene and stuff, and doing other things. My movie, my life turned into like the movie True Romance uh, when I lived in Hollywood. But one thing that I did do one year when I was there is I went to 63 out of 81 home games. I actually like didn't care. Like, whatever my schedule was, no. <laughs> like it was one of those deals. I was like, yeah, like I would tell people, yeah, listen, you know, they're playing Wednesday afternoon. I won't be around. Like I'll, you know, no Thursday night, no, no. Like basically, like my life revolved around the Dodgers. Like I went to 63 of 81 games. Ushers knew my name, right? So I'm a big Tommy Lasorda guy. One night I was going to the game. One day I was going to the game, and I used to take the bus, okay, and and you know, it's like shady neighborhoods and stuff. You're in East LA. And at the time, too, this is like the late 80s. And right after when they won the World Series and stuff, and, and um, I was on the bus, and these teenagers get on the bus, and I'm like, oh, man, and I'm sitting at the back of the bus, and they sort of, like, like make eye contact with me and stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, this is great. You got to remember, this is like the middle of gangland and stuff like that. and Gang, you know, the movie Colors and all that, right? It's like the gang, the prime gang days there. And so I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. And I'm thinking, oh, this isn't going to end well. <laughs> and I'm like, they start asking me questions. And I, I'm always suspicious of everyone. So I'm playing it cool. But anyway, so it turns out, and they're, they're kind of delinquents, right? But, like, there was, like, four or five of them were, like, kind of, like, kind of delinquent, very sort of, like, hustler kids. And one of them was, like, a nice do-gooder guy, kid. And the do-gooder kid was from their, they all lived on the same street type thing. And... Um, in South Central, and I guess the kid, one of the kids was gonna be like a um, a, a preacher. And you know, he was into God, and he was big in his community and stuff. And he literally talked someone off a roof type thing. Like he talked someone out of suicide. The kid was like 15 or something, all right? So he was the Dodgers community hero, okay? So I, it goes from me thinking these kids want to rob me. So they tell me this, they're like, "You got a ticket to the game," and I'm like, you know, thinking why are these kids ask me have a ticket to the game. And then they're like, then they're like, because if you don't, we have a uh, we got a free pass, man, and you're welcome to join us and <laughs> and stuff. And I'm like, what? And they tell me the story. They're like, yeah, man, this kid. They're like, yeah, we're not even good buddies with him, but he invited us, you know, and, and part of the community and like. So he goes, he's the community guy at the game. And I'm like, so what happens? He goes, I don't know. We're supposed to go on the field and everything. So he goes, you can come with us. And, and he's like, just say you're with us, right? <laughs> so, and, and he, goes, uh, he goes, we're supposed to be six or whatever. So he goes, it's cool, man. So, uh, you know, we go, we get there. I swear to God, like one minute I'm on the bus sitting there by myself in L.A., East L.A., Literally, like, 10 minutes later, man, we get to Dodger Stadium. Next thing I know, I'm in, like, the clubhouse and in the dugout and stuff. All right? I'm like, this is unbelievable. I was like, I I couldn't believe it. I was like, man, a lot of crazy things have happened to me, man, but this is nuts. sitting on a bus. Next thing I know, I'm, like, in the dugout. And I'm like, there's no cell phones in these days, right? So there's no selfies. But then we meet Tommy Lasorda. And Lasorda was like, who the hell are you? You're not with these guys. And, like, Lasorda. Lasorda could tell, tell, like they were; these guys were younger to me and stuff. They're like, I just really stuck out. Not to mention, like three of them were black, right? You know what I mean? I was like this dude. I got a Dodger hat on. I had long hair. It's like it's a bunch of kids from South Central, and and a white dude with long hair and a Dodger hat on, right? (laughs) Not to mention, like I reeked a (laughs) chronic. So I'm standing there, and I'm in the dugout. Lasorda's like, Lasorda was nice to all the kids and stuff, but he wasn't nice to me. All right, it kind of upset me a little bit because I was like, "Man, I'm a big Dodger fan and stuff," but he was like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever." <laughs> like, LaSorda was kind of like, you can almost, you know, see him saying to the PR, "Like, who the hell is this guy? Like, he's not with these people." Like, they almost—it was almost like I was a fan that like invaded it. You know what I mean? And I was just sort of there. <laughs> like, it was clear I didn't know these kids, right? And like, it was just so obvious, and no one said anything, right? Except Tommy LaSorda knew You can see right through everyone. Tommy LaSorda. Here's a great quote from uh, Tommy Lasorda. Uh, Pressure is a word that is misused in our vocabulary. When you start thinking of pressure, it's because you've started to think of failure. That's deep stuff, huh? That's some good stuff right there. I like what he says. The only way I'd worry about the weather weather, if it snows on our side uh, on the field and not theirs. (laughs) He goes... Here's another one from Tommy. The only problem with success is it doesn't teach you how to deal with failure. Exactly. Ask Clemson about that. Uh, There are three types of baseball players those who make it happen, those who watch it happen, and those who wonder what happens. All right. So, Tommy was a pretty positive guy. The difference between the impossible and the possible lies in a person's determination, says Tommy Lasorda. Now, listen, let's play the clip here, Matthias. This is Tommy Lasorda. You think this guy is like uh, John Wooden or something, Mr. Positivity. This is what he sounded like in real life. Dave Kingman hit three home runs in a game, all right, against the Dodgers. Dave Kingman, man, I used to see Dave Kingman as a kid. Man, that guy could crush the ball. So Dave, Dave Kingman hit um, three home runs against the Dodgers, and they asked him after the game, what do you think, what do you think of uh, Dave Kingman's performance?
5: Can you give us just a few basic comments about your feelings on the game? All right. Well, naturally, I feel bad about losing a ball game like that. There's, uh, there's no way you should lose that ball game, and that uh, just doesn't make sense. What's your What's... opinion of Kingman's performance? What's well, my opinion of Kingman's performance? What the do you think is my opinion of it? I think it was put that in. I don't opinion of his performance. He beat us with three. Home runs. What the f- can you mean? What is my opinion of his performance? How can you ask me a question like that? What is my opinion of his of of his performance? He hit three home runs. I'm f- off. to lose the f- game, and you ask me my opinion of his performance. I well, mean, that's a tough question to ask me, isn't it? What is my opinion of his performance? Yes, it is. I asked it, and you gave me an answer. Well, I didn't give you a good answer because I'm mad, but I mean... That well, wasn't a good question. That's a tough question to ask me right now. What is my opinion of his performance? I mean, you want me to tell you what my opinion of his performance is? and He just did. That's right. Yeah. guy yeah. hits three home runs against us.
0: This took This... Been... I love what he says. How can you ask me that question? P- p- opinion on his performance. Guy, guy F it hit three home runs on us. You know what there's there, There's there's some there's some great ones. There's a clip out there on YouTube. Tommy Lasorda goes to the mound, all right, and the, the mic picks it up. He goes to the mound and he goes, All right, Doug, he goes, We're done. The pitcher's Doug. And he goes, All right, Doug, we're done. Give me the ball. And he gets to the mound and and the pitcher goes, don't worry, Tommy, I feel good. He goes, no, Tommy, I good. I'm feel good. And he goes, you feel good? He goes, I don't give an F if you feel good. He goes, he's giving up four hits in a row. And he's like, "He's like, yeah, but they're all opposite feel-cheap hits. He's like, and Tommy Lasorda says to him, listen, I'm the goddamn manager here, all right? I'll make the decision. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Give me the effing ball. <laughs> like, Lasorda was crude, man. Like, he, he didn't... Uh, yeah, Lasorda, LaSorda didn't play around. There's some great, great meltdowns, but uh, great, great baseball man, Tommy LaSorda. Nobody loved the Dodgers. This guy was uh, the Dodgers. Uh, just like like we said, he played for the uh, the Montreal Royals for years. He wasn't you know he wasn't a good big leaguer. He played in the big leagues for like a year, and he became like a manager type of guy. Tommy LaSorda is almost like um, you know he's sort of like a Don Cherry type. You know, he was a minor leaguer that turned a personality into, like, you know, a career. But the difference is Tommy Lasorda actually stuck it out and won a million games and won a bunch of World Series, ch- two World Series championships, two-time manager of the year. You know, and you'd say, well, he only won two World Series. He was the manager. He's the manager from, um, from uh, 19, 1976 to 1996. You say, well, he won two World Series, but you gotta remember, he also lost two World Series to the New York Yankees in a in about as painful fashion as can be. The famous Reggie Jackson, the guy who hit three home runs on three pitches. Hey, Tommy, can we get your opinion on that? <laughs> I wish we could. I wish we could. Man, that was what baseball was baseball with personalities. Now they're all just cloneless jerks. Like, that was what, you know what I mean? Earl Weaver. You calling me a liar? You calling me a liar, Earl? Earl Weaver, Sparky Anderson, Tommy Lasorda, Billy Martin. Those were managers, man. Showmen. Fans used to go see the managers in those days. Eli Gold next. Bring it.
2: You have a simple choice. Keep listening and get the winning edge. Or don't. And wish you had. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network
0: Strange late night continues. I am Gable Moretzi. We're breaking it down. The national championship game countdown is on. And we're now joined uh, by a man who will be one of the voices of this uh, football game. And a man that's been the voice of Alabama football for a long time, going back to 1988. And also, I love learning things about the guests that we have on the program. Also a man that spent more time in the minor leagues of um, the hockey world than Paul Newman did in Slapshot. Mr. Versatility, Eli Gold joins us. Eli, happy new year. Thanks a lot for taking the time
4: to be with us. Thank you. Good to be with you. Happy New Year to you and all of your listeners.
0: Well, I tell you what, Eli, you know, you really are Mr. Versatility. And you have called the sports that I love so much, uh, you know, college football, hockey, arena football. I didn't know you were such a hockey guy. You know, I knew that you did hockey, but I didn't realize, you know, just so many different leagues. And, man, you have to have a passion for the sport when you're working in the Central League.
4: Well, essentially, you talked about Paul Newman and Slapshot. That was the Eastern Hockey League. And I worked in that league, in that real league. Uh, I worked for the Long Island Ducks of the Eastern Hockey League, uh, the league in which uh, you, you, you played for 45 seconds and fought for 45 minutes. Uh, that was truly that way. But but yeah, I, I was like a player working my way up through the minor leagues, uh, the Eastern League, the North American League, the Central, the American League, and eventually, you know, I made it to the NHL with the St. Louis Blues and with the Nashville Predators. So uh, I've been very, very blessed and I'm back doing minor league hockey again. I live in Birmingham, Alabama, and Birmingham has a team in the Southern, excuse me, the Southern Professional Hockey League, so I'm uh, doing 45 or 50 of their games this year so i just love the sport i really do
0: uh eli gold with us all right man we're definitely going to talk hockey in the future because we've got a deep hockey background ourselves uh eli but let's get into the football game uh right now i'm excited uh for this game i really am Uh, You know, you look at Ohio State, dangerous team, ton of NFL talent. But then you look at uh, the team that you call in the Crimson Tide. I had heard coaches say, I had read quotes, Eli, throughout the season, pretty much after every game, that coaches in the SEC said, I played against a lot of Alabama teams. We've coached against a lot of Bama teams. But this is the toughest one yet. You've called a lot of Alabama teams. If, I, if somebody asks you, Eli, you know, tell, talk to me about the 2020 team. Talk to me. What makes this team special um, and what differentiates this team from other Bama teams you've covered?
4: Well, I guess the biggest difference is the explosiveness of the offense. Uh, Bama teams in the past have always had great receivers, outstanding quarterbacks. They've had great defensive units over the years. But this year... The explosiveness, the ability to put up 40, 45, 50 points a ballgame, uh, and, and the way the game itself has changed, which has allowed the Tide to open things up and, and put those kind of points on the board. Uh, that's been the biggest difference between this year's team and, and some of the outstandingly great teams we've seen in Tuscaloosa in the past.
0: I don't know if it's because his name um, is Mac Jones, but there seemed to be a national perception of, oh, well, look, they had Jalen Hurts, they had to, uh, they've had these great quarterbacks and now uh, now it's just Mac Jones but talk to us about Mac Jones for people nationally listening right now Eli that don't really know Mac Jones we know about Smith we know about Harris we know about coach Saban but talk to us about Mac Jones and what he brings to the table
4: and you know if you want to stretch it a little bit the number one combination is Jones to Smith I mean, for people who you know don't get, uh, who aren't impressed by the names, but Mac Jones is a very smart young man. He is uh, the kids love him. The, the, his teammates love him. He has confidence in himself. Let's realize realize now. He decided to come to Alabama, knowing that Jalen Hurts and Tua Tongo Valoa were already ahead of him, yet he chose to come to Alabama. He knew he could play. He knew he would impress when he got a chance to play. The man doesn't make mistakes. He is very, very sure with the football. He doesn't throw it away. He is also gifted with a great arm. So he's just a very solid quarterback. It's a classic case of you can't tell the book by its cover. Uh, it's a classic case of that. Uh,
0: Eli Gold, play-by-play voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide uh, with us. Eli, there's been a lot of talk, and we've talked to people breaking down this game, and, they're, and I don't know. You know when, like, there's perception and there's reality. And people in the media can be annoying with this stuff, us in the sports media. And I've you know, a couple of things I hear all the time. While well, Ohio State secondary is no good, so you know, I don't know, they just shut down Trevor Lawrence, who's pretty good, right? They just shut down Clemson, who's pretty good. And we also hear, well, if Alabama has a weakness, it's that defense. Their defense isn't great, yet All right, they gave up some points to Florida, yet I'm looking at the SEC schedule here, Eli. Nobody put up more than 24 on them. Talk to me about Alabama's defense, and what do you say to people who are saying out there, well, Alabama's defense isn't great?
4: I say look at the ball games. It's very simple. Now, I'll be honest with you. At the beginning of the year, because of the youth, there were some areas in the defense that Bama needed to work on. They had to to get better on their depth and so on. However, number one, we're, you know, through the season, through the playoffs, so these guys have all played a lot of games now. They're not the same players who showed up for week one in Missouri. The other thing is people forget That this young defense Monday through Friday on the practice field lines up every day against what is arguably the most explosive offense in America. Every day they're lining up against Devontae Smith, against Najee Harris, against John Mechie, against Miller Forrestal. Every day they're lining up against those guys. So not only are they getting reps during the games, and, you know, now they're through basically a full season, and they also get those reps during the week in – on the practice field so uh, this is not the same defense that showed up for the season opener uh, a few months ago so you know people can say what they want and that's part of what sports is and that's why your show is in business you know i mean you got to have stuff to talk about uh, and sure bama has had a couple of games defensively against old miss and florida that they would probably have liked to tighten things up but still This young defense is a far cry from the defense that uh, showed up uh, early in the season.
0: Eli Gold, uh, we're in conversation with Eli Gold. We've got a couple of minutes uh, left with the great play-by-play voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, Eli, one of the things that you know impresses me so much from afar about about Alabama's program right now is the consistency, the attention to detail. And, you know, I remember earlier in the year, obviously, when Coach uh, had the COVID uh, issues, he said, we have a detailed plan in which if anybody goes down, the next guy, it's the next man up, it's the next uh, coach up, almost military-like, right? All right, you know, Secretary of Defense, you're up next, who gets promoted, everybody moves up. But you've been around Coach Saban for a long time. And I always hear people tell me, and we always hear people say that the reason a coach is so successful is because he evolves. He's not stuck in one way of doing things. He evolves. He's 69 years old right now, Eli. Being around him for as long as you have, talk to me about who coach is now, as opposed to, let's say, who he was even five years ago. Is he different? Is he
4: the same? Who is coach Saban now? He has indeed evolved as the game has evolved and has a, as the student athletes have evolved. Of course, his successes have given him carte blanche, total confidence to make changes, but he's smart enough to know that what worked for Greg McElroy at quarterback might not have worked for A.J. McCarron, might not or might have worked for for Coker, might or might not have worked for Tua, yeah. might or might not have worked uh, for the quarterback of today, Mac Jones. So, yes, the coach has changed. His team has evolved based upon the skill set of the players that he has available to him and the other thing that the coach has done so well is that you're right he's 69 which is not old but he's not 39 either and the way he has evolved with the changing society with student athletes of 17 years of age 18 19 years of age the way he works with those young men He changes to be able to work with what works today, and that's something you don't see from every coach. A lot of coaches refuse to change, and those coaches are no longer coaching in the Southeastern Conference. So yes, the man is smart enough and confident enough to change, evolve with the changing game of today.
0: And one thing that I, I respect a lot about the program, Eli, is while the players, I mean, we're talking about the best players in the country, elite, you know, NFL talent, yet is it, is it, is it Coach Saban that does, you know, I don't see a lot of egos. I don't see, like, you know, kids acting dumb on Twitter. Uh, everybody seems to be yes, sir, no, sir, very humble. I mean, for a team and a program that is as good as they are, the kids are actually pretty humble, aren't they, Eli?
4: They really are. They don't put up with that kind of crap. They just don't put up with that stuff. And they are genuinely good people. The coach is as concerned about a player's character as he is about whether they can catch or throw or run with the football. I talked to a referee. It wasn't this year, it was last year. I talked to an official from another conference. She was working a game that Alabama was playing, and I ran into him at the airport the next day, this official. And I walked up to him and introduced myself. I recognized him, but I I didn't know him. We had never spoken, and I introduced myself. He said, you know what? He said, I have never been yes sird and no sird more than I was yesterday. He said, those are the most respectful players that I have ever dealt with on the football field. And that is as important to Coach Saban as is any other element of the program and that's why you don't see the ego stuff and what have you and i'll tell you if somebody does start spouting off there's going to be a teammate who will promptly pull him aside and uh, point out to him the error of his ways so uh, that's just another special just another special part of the alabama program
0: Tell them that's not the way we do things here. Eli, time has just flown by. I know you're busy. You're getting uh, ready uh, to go to Miami right now. It's an honor to have you on the show, sir. Safe travels. Enjoy the game. We can't wait for the contest.
4: Thanks so much. Great to be on with you. It's a pleasure. Thank you
0: very much. Eli Gold, play-by-play, boys, to the Alabama Crimson Tide.
2: What is the winning edge? it's sports news you can use and you can only get it right here we are the sports grid radio network
3: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
2: Our goal is subtle, but profound. We want you, Sporto, to hold court at the company water cooler every Friday and Monday. Get it? That's the winning edge. All you gotta do is listen. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Do you have a gambling problem? No, I, I enjoy it. It's a hobby.
0: Late night anger management class. I am Renzi. If you just started tuning into this uh, show the last uh, couple of nights... And um, now you understand why we say it's the quickest 180 minutes in sports talk or radio. Boom, we're already into the three-minute warning here. Uh, Matthias, uh, one of our producers, uh, we've got uh, crew in New York. We're big time. Crew in New York, crew in Los Angeles. But Matthias, in, in Los Angeles, what's your NFL bets tomorrow? What are you betting on?
5: Gabe, I like the Bills. I like the Saints. I like the Rams. Those are my three picks for the weekend. Everything else, I don't know about them so far. I'm really afraid of that Brown-Steelers game. A lot of people are loving the Steelers, but I have something with the Browns right now. But at the same time, I've been going back and forth on it all day long, like a good fight, which I don't know how to pick. So I'm just sticking with what I know, and that is,
0: yeah, the Bills. That's my sure go, man. I like the Bills, and I like the over. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard the bandwagon. We hope you hit. We hope Yang hits his crazy-ass parlay that you know he's going to play uh, this weekend, and he'll lose by one game. He'll be like, man, I missed by one game, man. The, the Saints won by nine. I need a nine-and-a-half. I'm going to be laying six-and-a-half on the Buffalo Bills. Listen, we're going to be on the air, though. We'll be right here on SiriusXM uh, channel 204. I'll be uh, back at noon Eastern. All right, noon Eastern, so pretty soon. <laughs> pretty soon in the late-night hours uh, here. Uh, we're fired up, though. I am a lifelong Buffalo Bill fan. Never been an NFL fan of another team. Never been a fan of another team before. Only the Buffalo Bills. Like, um, I was a football fan when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like, you know, well, listen, I, was, I became a Bills fan in, like, 1977 uh, era. But, you know, before that, you know, there was the Steelers and the Raiders and stuff, and I knew them, but I was young. I was like, you know, six years old, five years old. But, like, the Bills were the team. And yeah, you know, they did, they never won, right? I wasn't a type of kid that like you didn't need to win for me to like you. And here we are years later. But you son of a bitch is better win a Super Bowl before I die. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> it's been a long time. Uh Buffalo covers. roll we're gonna we're gonna roll the calls. Take the over, take the bills. Uh Zach Moss is gonna score a touchdown plus uh 185, nice price. Other than that, you're on your own later.
2: Live odds, lines, matchups, injury reports, and news you can use. Sports Grid. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network.